It's a wonderful day to be in God's house, and we hope that you've already had a great time in Bible study, and now as we have come to worship. I'd like to call your attention to two announcements, specifically this morning. They are in your bulletin there. I hope that you will notice them, and you'll be in your proper places at the appropriate time. I want to remember the film series that we are having on Sunday evening at 545 in Family Life Center. Let's correct that, in Fellowship Hall. And I hope that you can come this evening. A good group of people are watching these. Power in Parenting, the Adolescent Child, is the session for this evening. You be there. Then you'll want to remember the evening worship service, a very beautiful time as we have the observance of the Lord's Supper. We hope that you'll plan on being here at 7 o'clock. This morning, I'm going to ask Greg Jordan to come. Greg has a report to us from the Pastor Search Committee. Good morning. Beautiful Easter Sunday morning. As you know, the committee's been at work for nine months. We've been confident all of this time that the Lord was leading us in the selection of this group as well as in the work that we've been doing. For that nine months, we have sought prayerfully the guidance of the Holy Spirit in opening and closing doors. And I have told you in several weeks past that we had the 110 resumes thereabouts narrowed down to a group of five or six good men that we were studying. We had, over the past several weeks, focused in on one of these men. We have agreed from the beginning that in, the, in seeking the leadership of the Holy Spirit, we would be as confident and joyful with the closing of doors as we would be with the opening of doors. And I can see already what you're saying. You can see where I'm going with this. Um, we had focused in on one of these men, and we had gotten down to the point where we had, we had heard several men, and we had interviewed him as an entire committee, he and his wife, and had talked to him on several occasions, and had given him a deadline when we were going to make a decision about him. He called us back last week and told us that, in very positive terms, that his church, where he was, was in a very changing period. It's not very good English, I understand. But his church was changing. It was, in a, it was in a position of growth. And he was afraid to leave it then. He felt God was calling him to stay where he was. Now, personally, having felt that we were almost there, I found this very disappointing at first. But when we go back to committee and we strengthen each other and we talk about this, we are aware that we're more than human in this search and that we have to be as confident with the closing of doors as we do with the opening of doors. And this, as well as a yes, is God's work. God is calling this man to stay. He called us to talk to him in detail, very earnestly, and yet close the door at this time. So we are going back. We are more than human in this search because we have God guiding us in this thing. So we are confident with this closing of this door and that God will, in this, continue to lead us. Therefore, we're asking you to continue your prayers, continue your hope as we do, and continue your, your faith in us, in this great church, and in the God who was resurrected on this day 2,000 years ago. Thank you very much. Let me remind our young people that we will have a rehearsal today. Prime timers will meet in the morning at 10.30. College Career Ensemble we will meet tomorrow night at 6 o'clock. Also, let me invite you, any of you who would like a copy of the Alleluia that was
presented last Sunday night on Palm Sunday by the Sanctuary Choir. We have video and audio tapes of that. If you would like to purchase one, please call the church office or come by the church office and fill out a request for that. Brother Byron, I believe you have it. I certainly want to express appreciation to all of the staff and to the many, many volunteers who did such an outstanding job of hosting the State Royal Ambassador Congress this past week. Brother Starr was on that uh, Preparations Committee, Arrangements Committee, and he just has done a super job with that, as well as many of you who've helped in, in many different capacities. Thank you. We've had many congratulatory comments from people all over the state of Tennessee about that. If you haven't already carefully checked yesterday's mail, you'll want to do that and look for this brochure. And if you fail to get one yesterday, watch tomorrow's mail because it tells all about the World Mission Conference, which begins a week from today, including a brief biographical sketch and photo of each of the five missionaries who will be sharing with us. I think we might have slipped a week here, but Brother Phil has concluded his first year with us as a member of this staff. And Brother Phil, we congratulate you on the first year accomplishments and look forward to your continued fine leadership as Minister of Youth and Activities. As we come to a moment of prayer, let me ask you to remember these families. Two of our members were called home to the Lord yesterday, Brother Ed McCauley, his service will be at 2 tomorrow from the Main Street Chapel of Smith Funeral Home. Friends may call there this afternoon between the hours of 2.30 and 5 or this evening from 7 to 9. Also, Mr. Hugh Mason, his service is somewhat indefinite. The schedule for that is 2 o'clock also tomorrow, but there is some uncertainty about the cemetery. Even though the paper did specify one, you'd best check with Lawrence and Sorensen Funeral Home for details there. And that family will receive friends late this afternoon. Now let's bow together and prepare our hearts for the great experience of worship.
pray together. Father, certainly you are the risen Savior this morning, and we celebrate that very fact. And we pray, O oh Father, that as we think about this blessed Easter time, that we'll think about you as our Lord and our Savior, that you'll speak to our hearts, that you'll open our hearts. We pray for this service, O oh Lord, that during this service that we'll reflect the very purpose of why we celebrate this morning, the risen Christ, whose name we pray, amen. Our hymn is hymn number 120, Rejoice, the Lord is King. May we stand and sing all four stanzas. It's a special joy to welcome all of you to the service today. Indeed, a beautiful occasion when in a very special sense we can celebrate the resurrection of our Lord. That's what we celebrate every Sunday, isn't it? But I'm glad that we have a Sunday once a year when in a very special way we can focus upon this most pivotal of all events relative to our salvation. We have so many family members who are home for the occasion, 
students who are back home, friends who've come to share this service with us. We welcome all of you. The ushers are coming now to assist us in welcoming those who are here perhaps for the first time or if you've not visited in a while. We want to give to you a true First Baptist welcome. In just a moment, we're going to ask all of our church family to stand in your honor. And if you are one of our guests, remain seated, please. These ushers will hand you a card and we'll ask you to complete that card as a record of your visit. But right now, church family, let's stand and greet those who've come to share this day with us. <clears throat> We hope that at the conclusion of the hour, you'll be able to remain long enough for our people to fellowship with you. On that visitor's card, there's probably a little ribbon attached. If you would peel that off and wear it on your dress or lapel, we'll be able to spot you in the crowd as one of our guests more quickly. And to be honest with you, some of us don't know each other very well as members. And that will let us know that you are a guest among us today. Please complete that registration card and leave it in the offering plate. And if you live here in Jackson and don't have a church home or are seeking God's leadership for a church home, be sure to check that bottom line which raises the question, would you consider membership in First Baptist? Check yes, and we'll see that you get helpful information about this church and about how you might become a member here. We're so glad you're here. And pray that even as the church family, you will sense the presence of God today and hear his voice as he speaks to your heart and to ours. One of the great songs that's been written relative to the resurrection of our Lord and Savior is that one which says, because he lives, I can face tomorrow. Let's sing the chorus of that right now. Guess will you stand with us and join in singing, because he lives. Father, again, we express to you deep gratitude for loving us and for sending a Savior. And we thank you that after he had completed the payment for our sins, you did raise him up, you exalted him to the highest heavens, and that today he reigns with you until he comes again for us. That resurrection that reality of his living presence today through the Holy Spirit gives us a peace and a confidence and assurance, a blessed hope as we face tomorrow. But today we're here to celebrate his resurrection. We're here to open our hearts to your will for our lives. Just 
be fully in control of this service, Father. May the Holy Spirit anoint afresh Dr. McIntyre as he breaks the bread to us. And may our responses as we come to the climax of this hour be those that you purpose for us in allowing us to be here today. In Jesus' name we ask it. Amen. reading this morning is taken from the 28th chapter of Matthew. In the end of the Sabbath, as it began to dawn toward the first day of the week, came Mary Magdalene and the other Mary to see the sepulcher. And behold, there was a great earthquake, for the angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled back the stone from the door and sat upon it. His countenance was like lightning, and his raiment was white as snow. And for fear of him, the keepers did shake and became as dead men. And the angel answered and said unto the women, 
Fear not, for I know that you seek Jesus, who was crucified. He is not here, for he is risen. He is not here, for he is risen. Let's pray. Our Father, because of the resurrected Son that you have given to us, we come today to celebrate this Easter day. We come remembering and thanking you what you did for us so long ago. We realize that we are unworthy and that there's nothing that we could ever do that could measure up to what you did for us. All we can do is simply say thank you. And today we want to come in honor. We want to lift up your son, Jesus Christ. And we claim that promise in your word this hour that if he be lifted up, that you will draw people to you. And we claim that promise this very hour. Father, we come in this place to fellowship with others who believe as we do. We come to worship. We come to sing. And we come to listen to you as you speak to us through your messenger this hour. I just pray that you'd speak to Dr. McIntyre that the words that he has will be just the ones that we need on this Easter day to cause us to reflect again and again on what you did. And I pray that we leave this place. We'll go out more enthused and more excited about you and your love, and we will share it. Thank you now for this time. We wait for you to continue to speak, and then may we go as ministers of your love. In Christ's name I pray. Amen. Our offertory hymn is hymn number 114, Christ the Lord is risen today. May we stand and sing all four stanzas.
Ed Archer leads our prayer of dedication. Our Father, we come now to thank Thee for the blessings that have been ours this past week. We thank Thee for this beautiful day. We thank Thee for the opportunity to come and worship. We thank Thee for our staff. Our Father, we know that where doors are closed, others will be open. When we hurt, You will be with us. We ask Thee now to take the offerings, use them for Thy benefit. We ask Jesus' name. Amen. services here at First Baptist Church on this beautiful Easter morning. We hope that you've already received a blessing from tuning in, and I know you will as Dr. McIntyre brings the message for this hour. I would like to share with you one special will be happening this evening. If you're not able to come to the worship service, we'd like to invite you to watch in cable channel 6 to the presentation. Hallelujah. Last Sunday night, our choir presented this. It's one of Bill Gaither's musicals, and I'm sure you'll receive a blessing. Again, that's 6 o'clock on Channel 6 this evening. We do hope that God is blessing you during these days. And again, I ask, let us hear from you. We want to know what's happening in your life and how the Lord is speaking to you. We also want to know if these services are a blessing to you. Just write us. You'll see the address there on the screen. Now, we do hope that you'll pray for Dr. McIntyre as he leads in just a few moments. We hope that you'll receive a very special blessing because you've tuned in on this Easter day. May God bless you.
Thank you, Diane and Greg, for that beautiful music, and to the choir this morning for always giving us that which the Lord knows that we need in way of lifting our hearts. The title of the message this morning is Living on the Wrong Side of Easter. Living on the Wrong Side of Easter. And the text for the morning is found in the 20th chapter of the Gospel of John. John, the 20th chapter, beginning at verse 19. And again this morning I share from the New International Version. On the evening of that first day of the week, when the disciples were together with the doors locked for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace, peace be with you. After he said this, he showed them his hands and sighed. The disciples were overjoyed when they saw the Lord. Again, Jesus said, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. And with that, he breathed on them and said, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive anyone his sins, they are forgiven. And if you do not forgive them, they are not forgiven. Now Thomas, Thomas called Didymus, one of the twelve, was not with the disciples when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, We have seen the Lord. But he said unto them, well, unless I see the nail prints in his hands and put my finger where the nails were and put my hand into his side, I will not believe it. A week later, his disciples were in the same house again. And this time, Thomas was with them. Though the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace, peace be with you. And then he said to Thomas, Put your finger here. See? My hands. Reach out your hand and put it into my side. Thomas, stop doubting. Believe. And Thomas said to him, My Lord and my God. 
Easter is a fact. All over the world there are many people, I suppose by the multiplied millions, all caught up in Easter baskets and Easter bunnies and springtime. That is a tradition that we follow that comes to us from the Norse people as a commemoration of new life as it is experienced in the springtime. And that's all right because that which we as Christians celebrate and observe is the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the grave, the conquering of death by God himself, and the demonstration of the power of God to meet every single need that anybody has ever had, has today, or will ever have. For if the power of God can conquer this terminal illness of death, then it is that his power can do anything. We do come to celebrate a fact, the fact of the resurrection of Jesus from the dead. Though men may argue about it, Though some may write scholarly works and say they cannot accept it, though others might harbor a secret question mark in the back of the brain, the reality remains Jesus conquered the grave. And on that first day of the week when they came to the tomb, they found that that great stone had been rolled away, not to let Jesus out, but to let the world look in and to discover what God had done for all the world. In the passage of Scripture for today, we have two pictures. The first picture happens to be of the disciples living on the wrong side of Easter, the wrong side of the resurrection. The second picture is of the same disciples, plus one, who've gathered on the right side of Easter. Now the important thing for those of us who gather to observe the resurrection of our Lord in this year of our Lord, 1988, is to determine which side of Easter we're on. Because I'm pretty well convinced that in a congregation of this size, there are Christians on both sides of Easter. But if today is to be a day indeed of true resurrection, 
then those of us who belong to Jesus need to discover some things that are hidden away in our own lives that we possibly have buried, that we have let the world bury, that we've let Satan come into our lives and hide away. that we might live triumphantly and joyously and happily for Him. You see, Jesus does not want you to be grumpy. Jesus has no delight in you being miserable. I can't find a single thing in the Scriptures where Jesus ever wanted folks just to go around with long faces. Jesus said, I have come that you might have life and that you might have that life more abundantly. In the passage in the 20th chapter of John that we have just read, on these occasions, he said to his disciples, to his followers, peace. I want you to have the calmness in your heart that is then going to be reflected in the life. Peace in your heart and in your life. The passage begins on the evening of that first day of the week. That was the day after the Sabbath. The Old Testament called for the day of worship, and through the very beginnings of the ministry of Jesus, the day of worship was the Jewish Sabbath, the last day of the week. Christians gather to worship on the first day of the week, and we do so because we commemorate on every Lord's Day His resurrection. Did you ever stop to think that if Jesus had not conquered death and the grave, if the resurrection had not taken place, well, we wouldn't even be here. There wouldn't be any churches. Nobody would have gone out to share the gospel. Nobody would have gone to tell somebody about Jesus, for he was dead. And the very name, Jesus of Nazareth, would have drifted into the dark recesses of history because, you see, there were many, many, many false messiahs. And how many of their names can you mention? How many churches built for their glory and honor? Why, none. And if Jesus had not come from the grave in the demonstration of the power of God, then there would be no such thing as a church. We wouldn't be here. And Christians would never have been heard of. But oh, what a dark day it was on the evening of that first day of the week. The disciples were together with the doors locked the disciples of our Lord meeting together for a joyous prayer meeting? No. They'd come together to scratch each other's back and to look sadly in each other's eyes and to groan and to moan. And they were afraid. Their life's plans had gone to pieces. All of the things that had seemed so real and so true and so vital to them in the days that had just gone by, all of these now just seem like a dream. 
The promises that Jesus had made were broken promises. They thought that they were on a major super highway to the victories of the world, but they had found themselves to be at the end of a dark little winding dead-end street. For their master, their rabbi, Jesus of Nazareth, one to whom they had pledged their all. They had left their nets. They had left the tax tables. They had left their work. They had followed him. And they thought that he was going to lead them to victory. And three days before, they saw him crucified. He was dead. Were they going to have to start all over again? Peter and Andrew are going to have to go back fishing? How were they going to face the people? They were going to be humiliated because there had been a lot of folks in their families that had said, you're nuts for following that guy. What in the world are you doing leaving a good business and following after this Jesus? How in the world were they going to go back and face those folks? It's hard to eat humble pie. You see, every one of them had made a wrong choice. Every one of them had made the wrong decision. Every one of them had pledged their all to Jesus, had made that commitment. And I'm sure they sat there in that room with the doors locked, and they said, we'll never, ever trust anybody again. Boy, you just wait till the next time some preacher comes through town it's pretty charismatic and gets a following. See if we're going to follow after him, not on your life. And so they just sat there and they groveled in their misery and in their pain and in their disappointment because Jesus was dead. Nothing made any sense. Jesus, who had raised the dead to life, was now dead. Didn't make any sense. The crowd that had cringed before the teachings of Jesus had mastered him. Didn't make any sense. The judge that publicly declared that he found no fault in him and that he was innocent then commanded that he be crucified. Didn't make any sense. And all the people who had sworn allegiance to him. They said, we'll never leave you. You can count on us, though others will, will drift away. You can count on me. Every one of them forsook him in that awful hour of his crucifixion. Just didn't make any sense. The only one who ever promised freedom had his own freedom taken away from him. The past, the present, and the future had a major piece missing. For their past was in shambles. Their present was confusion. And their future totally and completely unknown because Jesus Christ was dead. They were on the wrong side of Easter. Thomas... I don't know where in the world Thomas was. 
We call him Thomas the Doubter because of this experience. Maybe he was over by himself. Maybe he just couldn't bear to face his brother disciples. He just couldn't stand to get alone with them because he was just afraid of everything that was going to take place. Maybe he was afraid of himself that he'd say, "Uh uh-huh, I told you guys all along about this Jesus. He's going to let us down. I had secret doubts about him all along. Whatever the reason, Thomas had not met with the others. And so, when Jesus did come, he missed the blessing. And it took him a whole week longer to come to the victorious realization of the victory of the Master. This passage says that they were in that room and they closed the door and they locked the door because they were afraid for fear of the Jews. They were in fear of the people. The mob had killed Jesus. Probably somebody had said, now let's get the other renegades. The mob had crucified the master and now, now they said, why every, every time somebody would, would come past that door, everybody would come down the road. They wonder if a lynch mob was out there and going to get them hunt him down. They were afraid. They were afraid of themselves. They had seen his miracles. They had heard his teachings. And these things were as certain and as positive and as definite as life itself. And they had trusted him. Could they ever trust themselves again to trust anybody else? Oh, it's hard business to be disappointed in somebody you love. And the way back is not an easy path. They loved Jesus, but oh, how he had disappointed them. And they just were scared to death about what was taking place all around them. They were afraid. They were afraid of the future. They had failed in a crisis. They were in the midst of a spiritual blackout. How could they face their own future with a dead God? For they had accepted him as being the son of God. And now their God was dead. They couldn't go and get any comfort from the priests. For the priests would laugh at them and humiliate them and turn their backs upon them. Couldn't go to their family for any help. No, you see, they were scared to death about their world. And they were fearful because they had lost the presence of Jesus. When things were rough, when there was something they didn't understand, when they were having personal problems, they could always get over with Jesus and talk to him about it. And Jesus somehow would bring some marvelous and wonderful divine truth to bear that would touch their hearts and answer their questions and just help them along the way. Jesus never failed them. But now Jesus was dead. 
There's nothing quite as final in your feeling about a grave. In the last two and a half years, I've driven into the same little cemetery in Lafayette, Louisiana three times with my dad, with my only sister, and a few weeks ago with the body of my sweet mother. And when the little caskets are placed in the ground, and when the dirt is filled over, and the little stone is set, and you drive away, there's just something so final about it. Though we know of the resurrection of Jesus, and though we know of the resurrection of the believer to come, the physical resurrection, and though we know of the place called heaven, though we know of all those things, there's just something so final when you turn your back on that fresh grave and go out. There was something so final. Mean and hated men had crucified their master. The body placed in a borrowed grave. A great stone rolled across the entrance and sealed with the seal of the Roman Empire. And those men who followed after Jesus knew that he was dead. A power had gone out of their lives. A strength that they had known was not there. They were drained. They were completely physically and emotionally and spiritually drained. And there's nothing in the world quite as weakening as to be just completely emotionally exhausted. And they were. But you see, they were living on the wrong side of Easter. They did not know the miracle that had happened when they gathered in the evening of that first week. They had not heard yet that the Master had conquered death, that the Master was alive, that the rabbi of Nazareth, whom they had pledged their all to, that he was indeed alive. They thought that finish had been written. For the newspaper writer, 30, written at the bottom of that column that it was all over for them. They did not know that he was alive, but he appeared to them. And he said, peace, peace. I want you to be calm. He said, I want you to know I'm alive. I want you to know that I've conquered death. Look at my hands. Look at my side. You saw me crucified. I know what you've been going through. But look, I'm alive. And everything I ever promised you is still going to come true. And every command I ever gave you is still on the books. And everything, everything I said we'd do together, we'll still do it together. And they rejoiced. And he said, peace, 
I want you to have a dynamic and a triumphant peace in your heart and in your life. And I'm going to send you out with more power than you've ever known before. I want you to have the gift of the Holy Spirit. And he gave them the gift of the Holy Spirit. And he said, I want you to go out. I've got a special job for you. And that special job is that you're to go out and tell people about me. And if you forgive their sins, they'll be forgiven. And if you withhold that, it'll be withheld. That was the gift given only to that little tiny handful of those folks that were right there. But all the new power that was theirs because he had conquered death and the grave. And now we come and look on the other side of Easter. Why suddenly where there have been frowns and tears and the anguish of heart, now there's smiles and those guys are hugging each other and they're hugging Jesus and they're loving every minute of it because Jesus has conquered death and Jesus is alive forevermore. Jesus is the triumphant Savior. Yes, everything he ever said, everything they ever believed about him, they knew now it was going to come true. And they went to tell Thomas. Thomas who was not there. Oh, what Thomas missed. How many times you and I miss a blessing because we think it's more important to be somewhere else than where God is at work and where God is stirring. Lots of times in your life and mine when we could have been in the house of God, all an awful lot of time when you're not really as sick as you say you are or, or the, as tired as you think you are on a Sunday evening or a Wednesday evening when you could be in God's house and the power of God comes but you miss the blessing of it. Like old Thomas somewhere else doing something else. He missed it. And when the word came to Thomas who was not there when Jesus appeared to the eleven, old Thomas said... Well, you guys can say he's alive if you want to. I just don't believe it. You see how doubts will grow when you are absent from where the Savior is? You see, the Savior wants to be in your home. The Savior wants to be where you work. The Savior wants to be in the school the Savior wants to be in, in the recreation area. The Savior wants to be with you. But we go our own separate ways and we miss the blessings. But when we're on the right side of Easter, then finally, like old Thomas, most more of us are like Thomas than you want to admit. And Jesus did appear. Jesus knew his doubts. Jesus knew what he had said. And he looked right straight into the eyes of Thomas. He said, Tom, look at the nail prints. Stick your finger in it. Tom, look at this side where that Roman soldier threw the spear. Put your hand in it. You said you wouldn't believe until you touch the nail print until you put your hand in that gap in the side. All right, Tom, what now? And Thomas said, my Lord and my God, to be on the right side of Easter. Oh, 
Today, so much of the world is living on the wrong side of Easter. As churches, it's so easy to make Jesus a prophet, a teacher, an example, a religious philosopher, to think of him as someone who lived way back yonder in history like Buddha or Confucius or Mohammed or somebody else, forgetting that he is the living Lord. Yes, he lived. Yes, he was crucified. Yes, he was buried. Yes, he came out of the death and the grave. And he conquered death and the grave so that those of us who are in him can lay claim to that same victory, not on our own merits or not because we deserve it, but out of the grace of God that he freely gives to us. Oh, as individuals, it's so easy for us to live on the wrong side of Easter somehow fearing people, believing that the world is somehow stronger than this church, the future looks dark, hopeless attitude, drab lives. It's so easy for Christians to live on the wrong side of Easter. Now this morning you live on one side or the other. You live on that side which either secretly doubts, yeah, maybe it happened, maybe it didn't, yeah, it would be nice if that really were so, but it really defies all human reasoning and all human logic to think a man would come out of the grave. Well, if that's your doubt, you're living on the wrong side of Easter. But you don't have to. Move over to the right side of Easter. Feel the thrill of his power. Feel the thrill of his resurrection power. And acknowledge that in the commitment that Jesus Christ made to be crucified and then to conquer death and to be our Savior, he followed through with his commitment. Listen to me, dear friends. It is so important to make commitments and to keep commitments. It is so important it is so vital for the world in which we live. Now, while we're talking about commitments, not to put a damper on, but simply as a reminder, and for help, helping us to see which side of Easter we're living on in the matter of our own commitments that we make to the Lord Jesus Christ, you did a marvelous thing in the budget pledging. You pledged $993,281 that you would give through this, your church, to the glory of God, to the work, the effective work of the kingdom all over the world. And there has needed to be, up until this moment, last Sunday, $242,508 that you would give to the budget but you've given something like $18,800 less than the commitments made. You say, why in the whole wide world on an Easter Sunday morning, preacher, would you say anything like that to us? And I say it to you because Easter is the evidence of commitment made and commitment kept. You and I who make our commitments to Jesus, 
It's so easy to let something get in the way, out of town a week, and give nothing. Make the pledge, but forget it. Commitment made in the glories of the resurrection and the commitments that we make, we keep in the power of his resurrection. Don't let what I have just shared put a damper, but rather the excitement of commitments made and kept and the desire on all our parts to resurrect the commitments we've made and to let them live for the glory of Jesus. Hymn number 156, Jesus paid it all, all to him. The invitation has been given and the response has begun here at First Baptists. It's our hope that this service has been a blessing to you. If it has, we would appreciate hearing about it. Address all correspondence to First Baptist Church, 1627 North Highland Avenue, Jackson, Tennessee, 38301. If you wish an audio cassette of today's message, enclose $2 for each tape requested. Video cassettes of the entire service are available for $8 each. When you write, be sure to include the date of today's service. That address again is First Baptist Church, 1627 North Highland Avenue, Jackson, Tennessee, 38301. We'd like to invite you to join us next week for worship by means of television. Or better still, why not join us in person? You're welcome at First Baptist anytime.
This morning we're happy having a couple coming to unite with First Baptist Church, my sister church here in our city, Twyla and Daryl Harris. Folks, would you all stand here at the front, please? And their daughter. Daryl is on faculty at, at Union University, and Twyla will be working with us in our Child Development Center. So I know you're happy about their coming this morning. If you're as happy as I am, will you say amen? Amen. Now, folks, this is our way of saying welcome to First Baptist. We're glad that you're here, and we're looking forward to serving together our Lord here in this place. I know somebody will want to come and stand with them. Brother Byron is here. Some others come and stand. And come by after the service and extend to them the right hand of Christian fellowship and tell them how happy you are to have them as a part of First Baptist Church. Remember this evening, 545, the FEM. 7 o'clock, worship service, observance of the Lord's Supper. I hope that you'll be here for that. Let's stand now for our benediction. Dr. McIntyre, would you come and dismiss us, please? Our Father, we rejoice in that families can gather together in the beauty of a day like today. And dear Lord, I come to rejoice in the evidence of your presence in power, in the power of your resurrection. Bless us as we turn to go from this place to the activities of today and until you, we, with the health that you give us and life itself, have the joy of gathering around your table in this place tonight. In Jesus' blessed name, amen. Amen.